We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Thursday edition of the Rotowire NBA podcast. It is Thursday, January 27th. We're presented as always by WinBet. Make sure you check out winbet.com for placing any wagers on the NFC or AFC title games this weekend. A ton of action uh, going to be flying around, uh, of course, on Sunday. Uh, I'm Nick Whalen. I'm joined, as I usually am on Thursdays, uh, by a man who is starting Kevon Looney in at least one fantasy league this week. Yeah, I... Um... It's in our 14-team our stake league, and I had to make the the tough decision. So I picked Kevon Looney up off of waivers. Uh, for reference, my team has 300 more assists than any other team in the league, but I'm near the bottom of the rebound. So I was like, I just need somebody who can give me some rebounds. And I kept looking at my bench and my starters, and I saw Al Horford in there, and I was looking at Al Horford's stats, and I was looking at Looney's stats, and... Uh, I think Kevon Looney has been better than Al Horford for like two weeks in fantasy. I have not formally checked the numbers because it was too depressing to think about, but uh, just know that I, I completely was like pretty confident. Like, yeah, I'm definitely going to start Kevon Looney over Al Horford this week. Yeah, who could have seen this decline coming from Al Horford after he <laughs> had like 15 blocks in his first it's, four games of the season. He, he was like a top 15 player for the first few weeks. It's just, it's one thing to like normalize after that, but the way that he has gone so dramatically downhill. So like, let's take his past. I'm not even being that conservative here. We're taking his past 15 games. Ooh, I'm looking at that same sample. Please read he, these numbers. They are not pretty. Uh, he only, First of all, he only has three double digit scoring games in that whole stretch, two double digit rebounding games. So it's 7.2 mm. points on 39% shooting, 6.5 rebounds, 3.3 assists, 1.0 blocks and it's just like that's you can't start that guy in fantasy over I'll, I'll go Kevon Looney basically <laughs> over <laughs> over the past seven games uh it's only 6.4 points but it's on 70 percent shooting 
11 rebounds and 2.3 assists, not to mention 0.7 blocks and 0.7 steals. So it's like, and like I said, I care more about the rebounding at this point and I'll take the field goal percentage because most of my team is guards. I was like, I got, I got to start Kevon Looney. Yeah. I was talking to you about a Kevon Looney points rebounds prop uh, that we were tossing around today. And in my research for that, I discovered that Kevon Looney is averaging 4.1 offensive rebounds a game alone over his last 10. So I, I mean, when, when you told me you were starting him, like kind of as a joke in our league, I, I laughed at it at first, but you objectively made the right choice here, especially if you're just <laughs> aiming for rebounds. And even if you were just, you know, trying to get like a cross category, you know, the safer, uh, probably, you know, higher floor play. I think there's an argument to be made that Kevon Looney is that guy over Horford right now. It's, I mean, like you said, it, it's not like shocking that he, that Horford has fallen off. Uh, it's, it's more so shocking that he was that good. Through the first 20 games of the year, he was averaging 13 points, eight rebounds, three and a half assists, 1.8 blocks, 47% from the field, and just over 30% from three. But he was giving you one and a half threes per game. I don't know what happened in mid-December, but ever since he came back uh, from his COVID absence, he's, he's been terrible. And he was great in his first game back. He, he had like 16, nine, and six. And that that you know after that starts that 15-game sample that you read off. Yeah, I guess it could it could be COVID related. Like you, you never really know. I just didn't think it'd be this bad. But yeah. uh, in in that league, I'm basically just like I got. I'm starting Looney and Batatse this week, and I had a stretch for like two weeks where I was starting Yurtsevin. So I'm basically just like Ooh. grabbing backup center. I'm being really aggressive. I'm like, yeah, seventeen dollars for Batatse on the waiver wire, done. Um, and that, I mean that's. I mean the Yurtsevin play had to work out for you. Oh my God. Yeah. That was incredible. He was making up for, as I was joking, the yurts of play make up for Steph Curry playing so bad. Uh, <laughs> so we'll, let's, let's, we'll keep that energy going throughout the rest of the season. Yeah. I, I spent some time on Tuesday with James. Uh, I was going to say discussing my stake league team, but it was more just complaining about my stake yeah. league team, which has actually gotten even worse over the last two days. Uh, Drew holiday killed me with like his worst game of the year yesterday. <laughs> found Junis missing time, Steph Curry missing time. It's, like, I feel really good about the names on my roster, but it is it has not come to fruition for a number of reasons. Like I, I feel like my roster is this year's version of the Lakers or like more more so like the Steve Nash, Dwight Howard Lakers. Oh yeah, the, the this is gonna be fun. Lakers. Yeah. 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 I, and I mean my you know, like CJ McCollum in, in a lot of ways, uh, or Paul George, Bam Adebayo, like all those guys have missed a ton of time. Like those are my, you know, Steve Nash succumbing to back issues in, in 2012 version of this team. <laughs> Yeah, because there's only and during the most of that happened when obviously like when there were more COVID absences. absences. Right. It's not like you could even be super aggressive on the waiver wire and blow like seventy five percent of your budget. Thing, yeah. Well, the, the the biggest issue was I didn't want to cut any of those guys. Like at one point, I had I think my top six guys were all either injured or had COVID, and like yeah, I would have loved to go grab a Yurtsevin type to 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 supplement you know my roster without Bam, but I think we only have we only have one IR spot. Yeah, in that league, so it's like I'm not going to drop any of those guys. They're all too good. Um, so I just I basically ended up taking a zero for like four straight weeks, and I I do, I do not think unless Paul George comes back much sooner than we're expecting, I think my season is over there. But uh, anyway, that that's now a combined probably 20 minutes I've spent complaining <laughs> about this team across two podcasts. So we'll move on. Uh, full disclosure: we we recorded the pod about to or the idea that we're about to lay out. We recorded it in full last week. Uh, finished the podcast. I remember telling you that was awesome. That was such a great discussion. Can't wait to listen to it. And went to download the file and it was corrupted and unusable. So rather than just try to re-record right away, and, and which is almost an impossible task if you've ever had to do that, 
Like when you have, when you kind of remember what you said and you're simultaneously trying to redo it, but you know, what you previously said is kind of in the back of your mind. We decided to just scrap it, wait a few days and re-record it this week. So what we'll be doing is a draft where we'll, we'll, we'll each just go every other picking teams uh, with the goal of, you know, coming, basically coming up with a list of the teams that you are most confident will win at least one NBA title in the next five years. So we're talking this season included. So 2021, 22, 22, 23, 23, 24, 24, 25, and 2025, 26. And of course, pretty hard to project what's going to happen in 2025, 2026, which players will still be in the league, who will be healthy at that point. I mean, there's guys who are freshmen in high school who might be impact players in the NBA at that point. Um, so that's part of the deal. But, you know, kind of walk me through what your process was when you you made your rankings or you took notes for this exercise. You know, how do you how do you value teams that are good now versus teams that you think might be good in four or five years? So, I mean, it's, it was pretty heavy for the teams that are good, like right now, because if the farther we go in the future, the more variables there are. So I definitely put like a heavy premium on the teams that are good right now. The main, I think the main takeaway for me is I ended up giving the teams that are kind of in the middle of the pack right now with no clear direction. Those teams for me ended up pretty much towards the bottom of the list. And a lot of the more rebuilding type teams were towards the middle of the list. So I ended up, you know, some like teams we may not end up really end up talking about like uh, Portland or Indiana. It's like, I found myself thinking, what is really the path for these teams over the next five years to either try to build on top of what they have now or tear down. And if it's a one or two year tear down, like in five years, they may just kind of be 500 again. And you compare that to a team, like let's say the Rockets, who are basically one or two years into a rebuild. Jalen Green in five years could be an all-star. Sangoon could be an all-star. You know, they're going to draft one or two more good players. You never know what's going to happen at that point. So I think that for me was after the very top teams, the top echelon of teams, that's how I found myself sorting teams for the most part. I found myself doing a lot of the same favoring teams that are good now. Uh, you know, you think of a team like Phoenix, pretty good chance to win the title in 2022 if and when Chris Paul moves on, you know, that team could fall off considerably. And even though they still have a nice core in place with Bridges and Aiton and Booker, you take Chris Paul away. And if you're not able to replace a player like that, your title window can close pretty quickly. So you know, I have Phoenix pretty high on my list. I, I think if they don't win it this year, you know, obviously I, I wouldn't feel as good about them winning one of the next four, but I think you have to give priority to the teams that are good now, because we, we at least know what to expect for this year. We kind of know what to expect for next season, even two seasons from now. But when you start talking 2024, 2025, 2026, I, I would go as far as to say it's pretty much impossible to predict which teams are going to be vying for the title at that time. I mean, historically, you look at like the Milwaukee Bucks, for example, the reigning NBA champions, five years before they won the title, they were 42 and 40. Uh, Jason Kidd was the head coach about to be fired halfway through the following season. At that point, we didn't really know how good Giannis would be. You know, Drew Holiday was four years away from even joining this team. Um, like so much changes even year to year, uh, let alone, you know, four or five years. It, it's really, really hard to to predict which teams are, are going to be, you know, competing for the title at the end of the window that we're discussing here. So in those situations, I, I found myself giving priority to teams like the Lakers who you know, don't necessarily deserve to, to get that priority, but because they are the Lakers and because they historically are an attractive free agency destination, 
you give a team like that the benefit of the doubt when it comes to potentially landing an established superstar between now and 2025. Um, And I I found myself doing the same thing with teams in the middle, you know, where, you know, if you're a team like Indiana or Portland, like you mentioned, I, I don't, I don't know what the path is. You know, there's not a clear path right now. And to me, it's, it's too difficult to conjure up a situation out of thin air and say, you know, Indiana, for example, I mean, has it picked inside the top 10 in like 30 years, right? You're like, is that pattern going to change anytime soon? Like teams that are in the middle to me, I I ended up just kind of, you know, stacking in my bottom 10 and and I don't even know if we're going to talk about them. Right. And, and even some of those middle teams, like uh, you're mentioning with the big market thing, like the Knicks, for example, I feel like their direction is kind of as murky as the Pacers, Yep. but they're New York. And historically, we, you know, we haven't really seen necessarily free agents going there like everyone thinks that they will. Mm-hmm. But you still that's still in the back of your mind when you're ranking like uh, the Knicks over the, the Pacers, for example. Um, yep. But do you want to go ahead? First pick? No, I want to give you first pick. That's oh, what we okay. did uh, you know, when we initially recorded this entire podcast uh, last week. You got first <laughs> pick. And uh, I think that set us on a good course. So okay. I want you to go. And I'm interested. Are you, are you going to make the same pick that you made last week? I am gonna make the same pick. Um, I, I, my top like five is pretty set, so I'm okay. going with the the Nets number one. Uh, as much turmoil as people, as people, oh, James Harden's gonna leave. Well, Kevin Durant's hurt. Kyrie can't play. You know, home games. Blah blah blah. That amount of talent for me is still way too high to not assume that they're the favorite to win the title at least once over the next five years. Again, like. You can you can throw all these variables, and I, I think a lot of this discussion comes from the fact that we haven't seen we've seen like Kyrie, KD, and Hargan play like what eight games together or something like that over the past two years, and I think something like that. Yeah, and I understand people being like, well, you know, the fact that we've only seen them play eight games is a problem, but I think once we get in the playoffs and assuming they're all good to go during the postseason, I think people will realize like how great this team can be. And sure, maybe they don't win it this year because of chemistry issues, having not played together. I just find it really hard to bet against them. And even if they do have to trade Harden or they decide to trade Kyrie or like who, maybe both, who knows, they're still going to get really good stuff in return. And they're not going to tank because they still have Kevin Durant. Um, and when you have Kevin Durant, you know, uh, you're obviously in an amazing position. So I have Brooklyn at number three on my list. I was hoping to grab them, uh, you know, coming around with my second pick. And the only note that I took down is when you have Kevin Durant, you're always going to be in it. Yeah. And I, I firmly believe that you have Kevin Durant locked up through 2025, 26. So he in theory is on this team through the entire exercise. And maybe at some point he, he declines or there's another injury. And, and that's something that I, you know, unless we're talking about guys like Zion or Joel Embiid, um, you know, players who even Kyrie who have like, you know, really decorated injury history, I wasn't trying to project out and say like, well, I think in 2023, Kevin Durant's going to tear his ACL again. So that, you know, that knocks the nets down a peg. I mean, the way he's played this year and the way he's come back from the torn Achilles, I think it's pretty reasonable to say that KD has at minimum two or three more really, really high level seasons in him. And then as we're seeing with, with other modern superstars, you know, even once guys lose maybe a, a step or even a half a step, you know, someone like a Chris Paul or a LeBron, you can still be really effective into your late thirties. And I I think Durant is not a player who's super reliant on athleticism. I think he's going to age pretty well as long as he doesn't suffer another devastating lower body injury. So I'm with you there. I'm not going to fight you. I would not have taken the nets number one, uh, but I I think they deserve to be in the conversation just by virtue of having Kevin Durant. 
And even if you're concerned about the Kyrie situation, if you're concerned about James Harden leaving, they're always going to find ways to to contend when you have Durant on the roster. And if you end up doing a Harden sign and trade or you have to trade Kyrie, even if you're not necessarily getting peak value for those guys, you're still going to get nice pieces. And again, when you have Durant, you don't necessarily have to construct a super team around him. That's what he's had for the last several years. But he alone is, is going to drag you close to 50 wins if he's if he's fully healthy. Right. And even if those two guys, Kyrie and Harden, just walk away before the 23-24 season, <laughs> yeah. the Nets the Nets books are they're completely clean after that. You, right. They have Durant and Joe Harris on an expiring that year. And then they'll have like, they could just go out and sign. They could create another super team in theory. So yes. uh, they're in a... They're, guys are going to want to play in Brooklyn. They're going to want to play with Durant. Right. Uh, again, I, I think this partially hinges on his health, but that's not something that we, we want to project out too much for the purposes of this exercise. If there's one thing we appreciate here at Rotowire, it's making good decisions and even more so making the right decision. I have an incredible offer for you with Rotowire's newest partner, WinBet, the premier digital casino and sportsbook app. WinBet is now the exclusive sponsor for Rotowire's fantasy podcast. WinBet brings you all the latest action with a user friendly interface, money line bets, boosted parlays, over unders, round robins, live betting, and so much more are at your fingertips. Want a break from sports betting? Head into WinBet's digital casino and take a spin on roulette, double down in blackjack, slam the slots, or try your hand at Baccarat. WinBet is currently available in six U.S. states, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia, while rapidly expanding nationwide. At WinBet, the possibilities are limitless. WinBet is currently offering all RotoWire listeners a risk-free bet up to $500 on your first wager. All you have to do is download the WinBet app right now. That's WinBet, W-Y-N-N-B-E-T. WinBet, the exclusive partner for RotoWire's fantasy podcast. Thrive Fantasy is back for another season of fantasy basketball, and they're running guaranteed contests every single day this NBA season. With Thrive Fantasy, you can eliminate the countless hours of research and focus on only the top-tier athletes who have the biggest impacts on the game. Sign up today, and you'll get a free six-month RotoWire subscription that will give you access to everything on our website, not just our NBA content, all of our other sports, a ton of value wrapped up in that free six-month RotoWire subscription. Here's how you can go about claiming your free RotoWire subscription. Step one, visit rotowire.com thrive, that's T-H-R-I-V-E. Step two, deposit a minimum of $10, and receive a 100% deposit bonus up to $100. Finally, step three, play in your first paid contest, and then you'll receive that free six-month RotoWire subscription. Thrive Fantasy, check it out today. The NBA season is underway, and Yahoo is excited to go big on daily fantasy basketball this season. There will be a ton of big prize contests throughout the season on Yahoo, including their multi-entry contests, which are now shark-free. To celebrate Yahoo going big on DFS, as well as Yahoo Daily Fantasy becoming shark-free, Yahoo's giving all users the opportunity to claim a free $10 in site credit. Users can take advantage of this free $10 site credit to join one of Yahoo's biggest contests. Yahoo will have daily NBA contests all season long as well. Play a single game contest of your choice throughout the week. Then join Yahoo's weekly Friday main NBA contest to compete for large cash prizes. Play daily fantasy basketball on Yahoo this season. Visit sports.yahoo.com slash daily fantasy slash welcome 
to claim that free $10 offer and get started today. I'm going with the number one team on my board, the Milwaukee Bucks, who have arguably the the best player in the league. I, I think at this point, pretty clearly the best two-way player in the league in Giannis. He is locked up for four of the five years that we're discussing here, and he has a player option for 25-26. So pretty good chance that he's on this team through the entire window. And given the age difference between Giannis and Durant, I, I feel just as confident about Milwaukee just having a crazy high floor as long as Giannis is on this roster. You have Middleton and Holiday under team control for at least two to three more years. You know, we'll see what happens with Brooke Lopez. That could that contract, which only goes through next season, could end up being a little bit of an albatross, but uh, very few guys on the books beyond 2022-23 for Milwaukee. So even as guys like Middleton and Holiday and Lopez age out of their prime years, you might be able to gear up for, you know, a, a different looking kind of secondary run around Giannis in the latter portion of this five-year period. So uh, again, as long as Giannis stays healthy, Milwaukee is always going to be in it uh, for the next five years. Lopez on $13 million next year. That's Landry Shamit money. So yeah, I'm going to keep in mind. Yeah, that's not looking great. That's not looking great, <laughs> but it, it, it would be a lot worse if he had, you know, three or four more years left on that deal. Right. And you know, I, I don't think that's even like for me, when I considered the Bucks, I honestly didn't even really think that hard about uh, Lopez's contract. I mean, his absence matters because he was such a big part of what the Bucks do, but they've gotten by with Portis and playing Giannis at center and stuff like that. But Bucks were also number two on my list. So we're pretty much in agreement here. I don't have a ton to add okay. uh, to what you say. Um, you know, the only the only downside, I guess, is their books are kind of locked up um, in a good and bad way. Right. You have Milton, Giannis, Holiday. Yeah, right. Um, they just don't have a ton of moves to make, but that's fine. Yeah. I think if you're the defending champ and your books are, you know, if, if you never want to see like a $45 million number, but you know, if that, if that money is going to Giannis Middleton and holiday, <laughs> you're okay with it. You know, at, at least it's not going to Tobias Harris or Timothy Mozgov or Russell Westbrook, you know, things of that nature, <laughs> right. Davis Bertans. Uh, all right, let's move on to the number three overall pick and your second pick. Golden state warriors. Um, I, you know, obviously Clay, Steph, Draymond, those guys are getting older. We've said that plenty of times over the past few years as we've kind of projected their future as a core, but I mean, obviously they've looked amazing this year, even with Curry in a slump recently and recently, I mean like 25 games. Um, I I've also been really encouraged by, I mean, I think the Jonathan Kaminga minutes have looked great recently with, with Draymond green out. You also have Wiseman in the fold. If they can actually pull off this, because it's very clear that they, they're they setting themselves up for this. We're transitioning. We're going to build up a young core while the old core kind of, uh, I, I want to say disintegrates. That's the wrong word, <laughs> but starts uh, aging. Uh, whether that works or not is one thing, but I think they're in a great position because even if those young guys, even if they don't exactly want to do that, they can potentially trade those young guys for guys who are good right now. I just think they're in a fantastic spot, honestly. Yeah, no complaints here. I had them number two on my list. And I think there's a case to even put that team at number one because they have the young assets and the flexibility that you could argue Brooklyn and Milwaukee do not right now. And, and you know, those teams have ways to get there over the next five years. But Brooklyn and Milwaukee do not have Kaminga, Wiseman, and Moody as potential trade chips. You know, no team in the league does. So to be a top two team in the Western conference right now, and also be the team that has arguably the best trade chips is a pretty rare spot to be. So 
I, yeah, I had them number two, very close behind Milwaukee. I, I, I considered going Golden State in my number one spot. I think it, they're, they're one of those teams that, you know, has a chance to win it this year and is going to have a chance to win it, you know, almost as a guarantee the next five years. Like the, the one thing that could preclude that, I guess, is Steph Curry declining. And I'm, I'm willing to believe this is just a, a prolonged slump, which really we haven't seen anything this prolonged from Steph throughout his career. But it's not like he's just a 34% three-point shooter the rest of the way. I, I don't think that's the case. And he too, like Durant, as he gets older, I think he's still going to be a really effective player. Now, in 2025, when you're paying him almost $60 million, is he going to be worth that number? Probably not. But he, I don't see him being in like, he's never going to be in the Russell Westbrook zone where you're like, oh my God, we, we have to pay Steph Curry. We need to get this guy off our team. Like, even when he's not worth what he's making, he's still going to be a really valuable, useful offensive player. Yeah, 100%. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. My next team, I, I think, I'm pretty sure this is what I went with last week, and I, I really don't feel any better about it, but I'm going with the Phoenix Suns. There, there are a lot of teams in play here, and this is just a... This is me thinking that the Suns have a really good chance to win it this year. And again, the goal is to just get at least one title in the next five years. It's not necessarily who wins the most titles in five years. It's just get one. And I think they have a really good chance to get it this year. And the way that they're positioned, you know, like I said at the top, when we were kind of introing this idea, if, if Chris Paul is out of the picture or if Chris Paul suffers another injury or, or finally falls off at his age, that's a big difference. I mean, he, despite Devin Booker being really good and Bridges and Aiton being really good, I don't think anybody argues that everything changed for the Suns when Chris Paul showed up. So if you eventually, if you don't win a title with Chris Paul and you have to replace him, that becomes really dicey because if you, if you make the wrong move to replace him or you just can't quite find anyone to fill that void, you're in big trouble. But, you know, you get Chris Paul's money off the books. I, I don't think you're going to do better than what Chris Paul has given them, but there's a chance that you could get a you know younger, more dynamic player in there who can kind of grow with this core, assuming you you do bring back Aiton, which is a pretty big if at this point. Um, and assuming you're able to keep Booker for the duration of these five years, you know, there's a chance that you could replace Chris Paul with a player that we feel really good about. And 
all of a sudden we're talking about a big three and, and a really nice supporting cast uh, with guys like Bridges and, and Cam Johnson. I mean, even Jalen Smith has looked passable <laughs> over the last month when he's finally gotten an opportunity. So uh, I, I, I have Phoenix here. There's probably four or five other teams you could talk me into, uh, but I'll go with the Suns. Yeah, I, actually, I mean, they they were next on the list for me too. And I, I feel the same way as you do. It's like what happens if Chris Paul starts declining, gets hurt, leaves the team, retires, whatever. I don't know what it looks like. They've played fine with Chris Paul off the court this season, so that's encouraging. The DeAndre Ayton portion of this is, I think it's very confusing, might end up being a swing piece for them. Mm-hmm. And like, so as much as I like Mikel Bridges, he doesn't really project as like a more than a number three or four option, right? So it's like you have him locked up, but it's he doesn't really he's he helps you kind of get over the hump from like really, really good team to great team. He doesn't um, you know, he he's not going to like suddenly turn into a 20 point per game scorer. The more I kind of look at this roster, I'm a little I mean, do you think they would consider trading Aiton this year to try to give his bird right? Like try to get a team to be like, hey, you get to have Aiton's bird rights. Mm-hmm. In return, we get disgruntled player, uh, a disgruntled center on your team. I don't know who that is. And I, I mean, is it is it Miles Turner? Is it Sabonis? Like you, it would be kind of an unprecedented, crazy move for the team that's you know by far looking like the best team in the NBA right now. And and even though they don't have the highest title odds, I think everybody at this point, based on what we saw last year, considers the Suns a very much a threat to at least make the finals in the West. That would be kind of crazy to disrupt that. But if you're if you're talking about trying to still contend this year and then also field a contender for the next few years, and, and for whatever reason you have your doubts about whether Aiton's the guy to do that, I, I mean, it would be bold. But, it, it you know, it, again, if, if you believe it internally that he's not the guy, I think you need to act on it rather than, you know, get sucked into a situation that you don't want to be a part of. And, you know, they could still bring him back on the qualifying offer next year. But, but in a lot of ways, that's just kicking the can down the road. So to answer your question, I think if you're going to do that, you need to make sure you're getting someone who, you know, isn't going to lead to a, just a big drop in talent. You know, you, you can't, you can't trade Aiton and, and just get someone who's going to help you in two or three years or try to get a package of picks. Right. I mean, you, you need to get someone who you still feel good about, um, you know, keeping this team a title contender in 2022. Yeah. I, it's weird. I mean, I, I understand why as a franchise, you wouldn't want to extend them and you just want to try to accept you know, whatever offer another team gives them in restricted free agency. I mean, the, the, uh, the, the nuggets should have did that with Michael Porter jr. You know, look at the situation that they're yeah, in now. Man. So yeah, I, I'm not exactly sure what they'll do, but um, I think they're in a good spot for the most part. Yeah. It's an interesting thought exercise. Uh, give me your third pick here and the fifth overall selection. It is the Los Angeles Lakers. Uh, we kind of okay. talked about, yeah, we talked about them to some extent, but like right before we got into the, the discussion about they're a big market, right? They'll never have problems attracting free agents. LeBron is there. LeBron being there really is is what's keeping this uh, pick kind of alive. Like that, that's really what fueled it for me. I was like, how far can a team that LeBron is currently on and under contract with really fall down this list of teams likely to win a title? Um, Anthony Davis is going to be there for a while. You know, like we all know the issues with the Russell Westbrook fit, but he's in theory off the team in 2023, 24. That gives LeBron two more years without him. Although LeBron is not on the team in that year also. I mean, LeBron's contract is up. This is crazy. Um, he's going to be 39. And I completely agree with everything you're saying. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I think just the chances that they win it within the next two years aren't aren't yeah. crazy. Um, 
AD is still there. It's it's a little bit risky, but I don't like feel great about any other team. That's so fair. It's... I think there's a there's a notable drop off after that top four in terms of teams that you would feel really good about competing right away. So you know, I mean, to give a, a sneak peek, you know, I have teams like Philly, Denver, the Clippers, Dallas, Miami, like any of those teams. I think you could have taken here, and I wouldn't think it was crazy, but. Those teams that all have major question marks too. And, and you could argue that none of them are good enough right now to win the title. And even though the Lakers record is not good enough to, you know, to, to kind of include them in that title chase, there's a reason that Vegas refuses to drop their odds. I feel like they've been sitting at 14, 15 to one all season. When you have LeBron, there's, it's just the great equalizer. Like we've seen him, you know, be on teams like this before. And at the end of the day, he always finds a way to, to at least compete for the title, not always win it certainly. Uh, so I think, I think you're right. And he's looked so good this year physically that I, you know, like we've said with all these older stars, like barring another injury, I don't, I don't think it's realistic that he's going to drop off to the point where he's no longer that guy who's pushing you, you know, toward a title, as long as he has a reasonable roster around him, like the way he's looking right now, why would we expect him to look significantly different next year or even two years from now? Right. I mean, it's bound to happen eventually, but again, we can't, (laughs) He just continues to prove us wrong every single season. He really has entered the Tom Brady zone. Yeah, right? oh, yeah. It, it, it defies. There's no comparison anymore. Uh, there, you know, Tom Brady being, what, 43, 44, whatever he is now, like there's no comparison for a quarterback playing as well as he is and looking you know, essentially the same, uh, you know, especially a guy like Brady who's never been an athlete. I mean, like you could, you could put Tom Brady in a Bucks uniform, like you know, time travel 2004 Tom Brady, and it would be tough to distinguish. You know, he's maybe lost a little bit of zip, but everything else pretty much looks the same. And I feel the same way about LeBron. And it's even crazier because he is a guy that has always, I wouldn't say relied on athleticism, but but clearly, you know, it's always a top top three to five athlete in the league and probably number one when you, when you mix speed and power, uh, especially with Zion not being active. But I mean, it's it's crazy what he's doing. And, and you still see people who say he's lost a step and maybe when it comes to like one-on-one, like getting by guys to the rack, like he's, he's maybe lost a little bit, but in terms of pure athleticism, I really don't think he's any different than he was five years ago. Yeah. I think he's, I think he's more selective and has to be more selective um, with like when to just really go hundred percent. But yeah, when it, to me, it does seem like there's a lot of like alley-oops he catches or like dunks where he gets up really high. Of course, there's the ones where it seems like he's mm-hmm. jumping a little lower than he thinks he's about to. Um, but he's countered that with increased three point shooting. Right. And he's, his free throw shooting is getting better. So it's like yep. this, I think this for him is a season where it's very clearly he's making an effort. He's like, I'm going to start shooting more threes and I'm going to improve my free throw shooting. I have to get my shooting back to like those Miami heat days yep. to continue the longevity and his defense is crazy too. It's we yeah. can go on all day about LeBron. Yeah. I mean, the, the question for me, and, and I had them a little lower, I had the Lakers at seven on my list. Um, you know, the question is, do we trust this team or this organization to put a team around him? Because, yeah, and part of it's LeBron's fault. We need to, we need to always say that caveat, but I mean, it's been, it's been pretty bad. Like the, the guys <laughs> and the mistake, the obvious mistakes that this front office has made, uh, you know, for four or five years before LeBron arrived to even the, like even the year they won the title, it's like, it, it felt like they could have put a better team out there if, if they made some different decisions. And, you know, even if LeBron is still LeBron in, four years, five years from now, or, you know, he's, he's going to age well too. Like even at, even at age 41, LeBron's still going to be this effective kind of small ball for, we've already seen a preview of that this year. 
do we trust this team? Like, especially when LeBron, because within the next five years, he's not going to be the guy that's still giving you 32, eight and eight over the course of a 40 game sample. Like that's what he's doing right now. That's probably not realistic a few years from now. I don't know if I trust the Lakers to surround him with the players that can make up for that. That is a tough question. Um, especially since like they, they already have a title. So it's like, things are, I think, I think the vibe is probably a little bit different. Um, you know, like, especially for Anthony Davis, he's his role in all this is still, again, they got the title, but now it seems like he's just kind of taking a back seat again. Um, you know, obviously they don't really have any like young players, like all they really have to like trade or use as an assets, Taylor Horton Tucker is playing terrible. So, you know, it's hard to know what will come of that. Um, but I, I just can't, can't stop myself from picking them fifth here. Well, statistically, I, I think you're on the right track because, you know, they've, they've never gone more than 11 years in their, in their existence. Um, or excuse me, since 1970, excuse me, since 1970, they've never gone more than 11 years without winning a title. So, you know, we, we are talking about a five-year window, but there is no other team that has that kind of consistent success. So, you know, statistically, maybe the Lakers should be number one based on that. I, with my third pick and the sixth pick overall, I'm going to go with the Philadelphia 76ers. They, they are highest on my big board. I have them as my number five team. You know, major question marks with Embiid. That, that is probably the, the number one thing that gives me some pause because it, it does feel like with Embiid, we are one more, you know, meniscus or, you know, anything with the knee, anything with the foot. We're one more of those away from this becoming a much bigger issue than it already is. And he's already missing like 20 games a year. Um, so, you know, chances are within the next five years, he suffers some sort of lower body injury and, and maybe that derails everything, but, you know, somewhat similar to the discussion we had with golden state, Philadelphia is good right now. They have arguably a top three to five player, probably top three, the way Embiid's played for the last month. Um, you know, Tobias Harris, not, not a good contract by any means, but you know, a reasonable like third option, uh, has, can, has played to that level at times. Uh, you have some nice young players, you know, Tyrese Maxey are going to be paying like $5 million for the next few years. Um, it, it does feel like they've hit on a few role players who could turn into like pretty valuable six, seven, eighth men. You know, I'm talking guys like uh, Thibel, you know, Niang, Paul Reed, guys like that. And then you have the Simmons trade chip. And that's, that's where the comparison to golden state comes in. I don't, I think Simmons coming back to Philly and being a productive member of this team, those days are over. That's not happening. You're probably not getting the value that you thought you were going to get from Simmons when, when the, this whole trade discussion started, but still a pretty valuable asset, still a really nice way to juice up this team around Embiid. And if they play this correctly or they catch a break in terms of a certain player wanting to go to Philly, I think all of a sudden this team could be arguably the best team in the Eastern Conference one of these next five years uh, based on what happens with that trade and, and based on what happens with teams like Milwaukee and Brooklyn. I can't really disagree with any of that. Embiid is playing at an MVP level, great two-way player. Obviously something that, like as much as I love Jokic, Embiid's defensive ability kind of gives him another level, um, especially in the playoffs. And yeah, I mean, I think a lot of this does end up depending on what you do with, with Ben Simmons. Um, But even if you get like a modest return for him, just having Embiid and a bunch of competent players around him make is your floor is so high other than of course the, the Embiid injury potential, which again, I think is very real. Um, Yeah. I, I think this is a decent pick. I mean, you're, you, you can just grab guys who are basically going to be perennial MVP candidates, you know, the teams that they yeah. play for. And it's, it's not, that's kind of the point I think we're at in this draft. 
Yeah, it's a high risk, high reward pick because if you botch the Simmons trade and you either get a player who doesn't fit with Embiid or you get an underwhelming return and you're just stuck in the middle, you know, you're probably not winning one in the next five years. But if you nail that, you have a really good chance uh, to, to field a you know, 60 plus win team for the next few years. Let's go back to you for your fourth pick. This is a tough one for me, but I am going with the Clippers. Uh, this season, going to assume they're not going to win it. Can't necessarily put that out of the picture entirely. Like Paul George might miss the whole year. His recovery is being very, it's like a very murky situation about what's going on with his injury recovery. Kawhi Leonard, you know, I think a best case scenario for him is like a March return in the regular season, kind of ramp up after that. Um, you know, but I mean, those guys are under contract. They have player options in 2024, 25. They're both uh, Paul George is 31 right now. Kawhi's 30. So they're basically in their prime still and should be for the next couple of years. I have concerns about the rest of the roster. Bledsoe is a bum at this point. Marcus Morris is like fine as like a fourth option, maybe fifth option. They signed Kennard to that super long deal, which is potentially like debilitating. Devastating. Yeah. Reggie Jackson is like, eh. But again, they're in, they're in LA, and uh, I think that they don't have the same clout as the Lakers. But they have two great players who have played MVP basketball before, and we we've seen how good they can be in the past. It's not like neither of these guys have performed in the playoffs together. Yeah, Clippers are pretty high on my list. I had them at number eight. Uh, they're they're definitely in that bunch of teams that I think we could have taken as high as probably three or four, and you can make a justification for it. Um, I mean, Kawhi only being 30, that, that seems low. I, for some reason, I, I thought he was like 31, 32. Um, and I, I still would not 100% rule them out for this year. Like, I, right. I think they have a lot of injuries, and I, still, I really don't love the roster around those two. Um, so I, I, wouldn't feel, I wouldn't feel great about picking them to win the title. But if you believe uh, Clippers reporter Nicholas Batum, who said earlier this week that they're hoping to have both Kawhi and Paul George back by the beginning of March, it's not out of the question. You know, especially in a Western Conference where it doesn't really feel like there's an invincible team. Um, I, I think they could make a run. As long as Kawhi stays healthy, that's probably the biggest thing. You know, already a, a bit of an injury risk. You know, how does he respond to this latest injury? But you have him and you have Paul George locked up most likely through 24-25. They both have $49 million player options for that season. Um, you know, you'll have a chance to retool probably once or twice around them during that span. And, and even though the Clippers are not the brand that the Lakers are, they've definitely made progress over the last decade um, in closing that gap. And I, I think they're, they're going to be a team that as long as those guys are healthy and playing well, you're going to see secondary stars, you know, maybe want to go and be the third guy with the Clippers. And they've shown pretty good organizational competence, like yeah. over the past few Shockingly years. Right? Yeah. I mean, they've made pretty savvy like decisions in the draft, obviously getting Paul George and Kawhi Leonard in the first place. I, to some extent disagree with like, you know, like, I think, like I said, Bledsoe, Kennard, kind of bizarre, like Reggie Jackson, I guess. Mm -hmm. But it's fine. It's working. I mean, the fact that they have lost is, I mean, Kawhi isn't playing at all, and they've lost a ton of games for Paul George. Like, he hasn't been around. I don't even know how many games he's played. It's got to be like 20. Um, and the fact that they're still 25 and 25 right now, I think speaks to Ty, speaks to Ty Lue's coaching, speaks to the, yeah. the front office's, like I said, competence, that, the, that they're still 500 with this team. Yeah, and I mean, the sneaky silver lining here is that all of a sudden guys like Amir Coffey and BJ Boston and Hartenstein and Terrence Mann, like those guys are playing big time minutes for weeks and months at a time. So even when those guys come back, I mean, you're 
you're, you're having guys who would normally be just garbage time only uh, getting real NBA experience and actually playing pretty well. So I think the end result is, you know, maybe, maybe we don't see it till next year or even further down the road, but you know, the conditioning that these guys are getting early in their careers, I, I think could pay major dividends to make them really good role players later on. I'm going to go with the Denver Nuggets with okay. my fourth pick and the eighth pick overall. You know, this you have arguably the best player in the league in Jokic, who is is right in his prime and, and should be in his prime for most of this five-year window. He has, you know, kind of defied the uh, the logic of conditioning. And I, I think, you know, that, that, that question is just like not there anymore. It's like for, yeah. for the last few years, it was always like, man, if he could get in shape, I don't even think you want him in shape at this point. It's like whatever he's doing is working just fine. So you have that guy. You have a guy who could give you 35, 19, and 7 every single night if he really wants. You have your second best player coming back from injury, hopefully sometime in the next month or two. Um, that alone is a pretty nice core. I think you have a, a, a solid organization, although somewhat of a cheap organization. You have a really good coach in Michael Malone. You have some pretty appealing role players, guys like Monte Morris. Will Barton has played really well for them. Um, not necessarily you know, guys who are going to develop into like a number three option on a title team, but good role players. What this comes down to is Michael Porter Jr. If he, if he never comes back and, and, and looks like the guy that we saw at the end of last season, chances are Denver's not winning a title because you're going to be hamstrung by that hundred plus million dollars that he's owed over the next four years. If he comes back healthy and even for two of those five years looks really good and plays like the guy we saw last year and, and Jokic and Murray are also healthy, that that's enough to put you in title contention. Um, so, you know, uh, acknowledging the risk with MPJ that aside, I, I think if that breaks right for them, they're going to have a really nice window of contention for the next five years. It all. Uh, yes, an alarming amount of this depends on MPJ. You mentioned 150 million committed to him. Jamal Murray for 140. Aaron Gordon's on an 80 million dollar deal. Um, they have a lot of money tied up already, and the problem with that, obviously, like you're considering Michael Parker Jr.'s injury history here. The problem with that is that Jokic, uh, his deal's up after next year, and if Michael Parker Jr. basically doesn't play again next year. And then he's owed $30 million the year after that. And Jamal Murray's getting 36 and Aaron Gordon, who's like, okay, is getting $21 million. And Jokic looks around and says, like, if I sign this contract, like this is the team forever. Like there, nothing else is going to happen with this roster. Like we're going to, we're going to be replacing guys like four through 12. Uh, if you even count Michael Porter Jr. If he's that hurt. I, I don't want to like predict that Jokic is going to leave, but there is definitely a possibility where it's like, again, if the Michael Porter Jr. situation is bad, it would not be smart for Jokic to attach himself to that. Like it's a sinking ship at that point. Yeah. It, it becomes almost impossible to build the type of contender, at least historically. And, and, you know, especially over the last 10 years, like with the, the strength of the teams that have won the title, like you need to have a really, really, really good team to win it all. And when, you're getting potentially nothing out of the, out of your second or third highest paid player. That's a major, major impasse that, you know, barring like the, the onset of like another amnesty clause. Like I don't, I don't see a way out of that. So they basically just have to hope and pray that Michael Porter jr. Comes back healthy. And that's just a, a huge, huge if, I mean, the Jokic thing is so interesting because like, it, it's almost impossible to imagine him going to ownership and like asking out just like his personality seems so passive. And so like, you know, whatever, I just like playing basketball but you're right. I, I mean, if it gets to that with MPJ, I, I and your Jokic, you know, we've seen this with so many stars who 
you know, Lillard is kind of into that spot right now. Harden got there. Uh, Durant got there. Like these guys who seem so committed. It's like once, I don't know if people get in their ear or you reach a certain age where you start to realize that your, your prime is, is ticking away. Um, it, it would be hard to look at that situation and, and feel good about it. If you're Jokic, um, you know, if, if MPJ doesn't recover. Jokic's contract expires the same year. Russell Westbrook's expires. Um, Jokic LeBron. Jokic LeBron. I'm calling it right now. The, like the nuggets trade him for Anthony Davis. Uh, okay. yeah. Uh, you heard it here first. I am, uh, with my pick, um, this is tough. I, I'm between like three teams right now. I'm going to go with the Heat. I don't love the pick, but I'm going with it. Um, I think with Jimmy Butler, Kyle Lowry, they have a very established core that we know is good first of all they're top of the eastern conference right now for what it's worth and they haven't been like butler's missed a lot of time you we mentioned out bio's missed a lot of time kyle lowry's out with a personal problem um they have a very nice core going forward now it's very locked in right like they have duncan robinson 19 million dollars he's making in 2024 25 out of bio he's making a ton but that's a nice core. You know, they're going to have to figure out what to do with Hero, whether or not they're going to exp- extend him in a few years. I assume they will. But I guess they're missing like very, very high end, like the upper echelon of top end talent. But their one through like six, one through seven is just so solid that it's hard for me to envision them not being basically in it every year for the next two, three years, mm-hmm. you know, as long as Lowry and uh, Butler. You know, if they don't age out like badly, which I suppose is a possibility given kind of their their age and like Butler's the mileage, the Tom Thibodeau miles that Jimmy Butler has on his knees. Yeah, hard to quantify what playing 75 minutes a game early in his career (laughs) is going to mean when he's 37. But yeah, that's the one thing that knocked them down my list a little bit is like for as much as I love guys like Hero and Adebayo, who who should probably be there for the duration of this window that we're discussing I don't love paying Jimmy Butler 49 million in 24, 25 and even paying Kyle Lowry 30 million in 23, 24, like the Duncan Robinson contract, not looking great, even though he's played a little bit better lately. Um, it, it does feel like they've, they've really gone all in on this, this window with Butler or Lowry. And if you don't win one this year or next year, you know, both those guys, especially Lowry start getting to the point where you worry about how effective they're going to be versus how much you're paying them. So I, I, I think this is, like the perfect spot in the draft to take Miami. I think they're, they're somewhere in like the seven to 12 range. Um, so I, I, I would have taken them if you did not, but there, there are some question marks here. I think you're right to, to kind of give them the benefit of the doubt. I think they're probably at the top of the list of teams that have just been the best managed and have really always gone for it. I mean, they've really only bottomed out one time and it was the year that they, they went 15 and 67. Dwayne Wade was injured. They, they ended up getting Michael Beasley out of it. Um, <laughs> And, and really, since they've, since they've come into their own as a franchise, it, it took them a few years to get off the ground in the 90s. But they make the finals in 06. You know, you get LeBron, and all of a sudden, you're, you're in four straight finals. And even after LeBron leaves, you find a way to retool. And six years later, you're back in the finals again. So, you know, kind of that same argument I mentioned with the Lakers, where they, they just find ways, you know, regardless who, of who's on the team. Um, they're, they're always going to be one of those teams that I don't, I, I don't think the Miami Heat, under current ownership and management, would ever do a 
you know, OKC Thunder four to five year plan. You know, it's always like year to year. We're, we're doing whatever we can to put the best product on the court. And sometimes that can that can lead you to middle of the pack finishes and and just, you know, some frustrating seasons. But when you're tra- when you're talking about winning a title over a five year window, I would always give give favor to a team that is actually almost a guarantee to be trying to win the title. Whereas a lot of those teams that, you know, you referenced at the top of this segment, um, you know, a lot of those teams you, you can't even trust to be trying to win during this period. Right. Uh, who is next for you? So with Miami off the board, I'm going to go with Dallas. I, I had these two okay. as number nine and 10 on my board. Uh, you, you know, I, I don't think Dallas is a true contender right now. I, I, I didn't feel great about this roster going into the season. I, they haven't really done anything to change that, but you have the guy who I still think is, you know, if you pulled every GM and said, you know, which, which like super young player would you want to build around? Even though Morant has looked awesome and, and LaMelo balls look great. And Trey young has looked great. Like it's still Dodgich for me. I, I think he's still, there's almost like this mystique around him that those other guys don't quite have. Um, so you have five years to put the right team around this guy. And well, I, I don't know that Dallas will for sure do that. Just having him in place to me puts them ahead of a lot of the other teams that I had in my kind of middle tier here. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, this is, this is another, like he's projects to be one of the best players in the NBA. I mean, he already is one of the best players in the NBA, right? But he's an MVP candidate every year. Yeah. The, their roster situation is pretty murky. The Przingis issue, uh, their depth is pretty bad, but we saw, I mean, what we saw out of Doncic last year and even the year before in the playoffs going up against the Clippers back to back years and how he was yeah. able to just basically dismantle both Kawhi Leonard and Paul George was, I mean, that's insane. You yeah, know what I mean? Like that's, a, that is just a completely different level of, of player. Um, and he was dealing, was he dealing like a hand issue or something last year that he was uh, like, something. yeah, he was definitely banged up. Yeah. Um, so I think they'll figure it out around him. I mean, Doncic again is a guy was just like through sheer will that team is going to be like five games over five hundred yep. every single year. Yeah, the cap sheet isn't pretty. I'm looking at it now. It's actually it's actually probably even worse than I thought. I mean, I didn't realize <laughs> they were paying. I didn't realize they were paying Reggie Bullock ten and a half mil in 2024. Uh, I mean, the Hardaway deal, especially with him breaking his foot this week, that's not looking great. Oh well, yeah. Uh, the Porzingis deal is a a massive impasse. So yeah, maybe I underestimated that a little bit, but. Like Miami, Dallas is one of those teams that doesn't want to bottom out. And as long as Mark Cuban owns that team, I think he realizes what they have in Doncic. And whether they ultimately get it done or not, they're they're definitely going to be a team that is going to do whatever they can to try to put that team around him. Yep. Um, my next team, I am going with the Utah Jazz. Uh, okay. Not necessarily like thrilled about, like again, every year it's like, yeah, great regular season team. Like great on defense, great on offense. Like very often, like hovering around top five for both. And yet they just in the playoffs, they can't seem to get it done. Um, I still feel fine about I mean, Donovan Mitchell is having the best year of his career. And I think he'll just continue to get better. And Gobert is, I think, playing really well this year. You know, I mean he's 15 rebounds a game, 71% from the field. And their depth is pretty good. Like you got Conley, you got Bogdanovich. Ingles is falling off, but it sounds like they're probably going to end up trading him. Clarkson, decent six man. Uh, O'Neal's a specialist. Like I, I like what they've done. It just feels like they're going to keep 
you know, I don't know what the future of this roster necessarily looks like, like three years from now, you know, when Conley might be done and Bogdanovich is off his contract. And, you know, I don't even really know how good the relationship is between Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert at this point. I mean, that was pretty contentious for a while. And it seems like there's still some issues. Yeah. Um, but it, they just seem like a team that's going to just keep banging their shoulder against the door. And one day it's going to break down and they might end up winning the title. Well, there's a report from Rick Bucher, who, you know, as a reporter, his reputation, I think, has, has is in a different place now than it was 10 or 15 years ago. But uh, he, he reported that an Eastern Conference scout told him that uh, Utah is a first round exit away from Donovan Mitchell being in New York Nick. So we'll, we'll see about that. <laughs> That's uh, so he, specific. Yeah, right. Uh, he, he is, uh, for what it's worth, he is under contract for the duration of this five-year period. He has a player option for 25-26. Uh, so that, that seems fairly unlikely. I mean, uh, eh, I don't know, somewhat unlikely. I, I could see Donovan Mitchell forcing his way out. Um, it, it, I, I agree with you that they they are that team that's just going to keep kind of banging down the door and maybe it, it happens for them like it happened for a team like Milwaukee that in some ways has been doing the same thing. But I I don't know. I think if it doesn't happen this year, I, like the way that they collapsed last year against that shorthanded Clippers team, like that was the last draw for me. Like That was – that was their version of this year's Packers losing to the 49ers, you know, like in talking to friends after that Packers game, I was just like, yeah, they could bring Devante and Rogers back, but what are we going to, what are we going to do? We're good. They could go 13 and three again next year, 13 and four, excuse me, uh, 18 week season. Yeah. And I wouldn't, you know, I would be like, all right, well, we'll see, you know, nobody's going to like, there's nothing that they could do during the regular season to inspire hope. And I feel like that's where Utah is like, Utah could go 82 and zero, and I still would not pick them to win the finals. <laughs> That loss in the playoffs was that was devastating. And that was like so much like I thought the when the Bucks l- lost to the Raptors a few years ago after going up 2-0, like I thought that was potentially devastating. Mm-hmm. But that was nothing compared to the Jazz completely choking that series against the Clippers. Um yeah, I, I agree with what you're saying. It's just this team feels as like in some ways it feels like it's the same, like it just feels so fluid, even though like guys are under contract, you know. Um, I don't know. Again, it feels it's like just, they need a shakeup, though. Like they they need yeah. their version of Drew Holiday arriving. Right. They need they need something to happen. And I I picked them again just because like at some point we're running out of teams that just ha- are like this good. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I felt fine taking them, but not excited about it. Okay. I'll uh, I'll give the the twelfth overall pick here, and then we'll we'll just kind of go into a discussion of some teams that we haven't talked about yet. I, I don't want to do like a fifteen team yeah. roster for each of us. Um, man, this is this is a tough choice. It gets weird around here. <sighs> man, this is really tough. I will go. I will go with the Toronto Raptors. Okay. So that that is the twelfth overall pick, the Toronto Raptors. I think they, as currently constructed, they cannot win the NBA title, but they have several players who I think are the type of players that you would want and the type of players that we see on eventual title teams. And some of these guys on their roster are are young enough that if, if you don't think they're part of the core, you could still return really good value for a guy like Pascal Siakam. I mean, if you really wanted to make a massively sp- splashy trade, you could throw Scotty Barnes into something. Um, I mean, any team in the league would love to have OG the way that Fred Van Vliet is playing. Um, like pretty much everybody on their team, like if, if you're, if you're kind of clued in at all to Raptors Twitter or, or even NBA Twitter as a whole, like there's, there's a lot of debate around a lot of these guys as to like, you know, Siakam, especially it's like, is this guy actually a winner? Um, it, 
if you, if you think the answer is no and you want to trade him, you're not going to have to sell him off for a second round pick in cash. You know, you're going to get really good players back. So I, I think they're way up there on the list of teams that you trust. Great coach, arguably the best GM slash president in all of, uh, you know, all the NBA. Um, and even if they're not constructed to win a title right now, I, I very much trust this front office to make the right moves to either develop the young players and make them into a title contender within the next five years or make the right personnel moves to get established stars in here and, and push this team back to the finals. If like, if we're, if we think that let's say the, the Spurs that we knew and love, if that is dead, is Toronto, the new Spurs, like that organization that they just can't like every move they do ends up feeling like it's the right move. Yeah, I, I think Toronto and Golden State and to a slightly lesser degree, Miami have emerged as those new teams where whether it's a, a signing, a trade or like a second, a random second round draft pick where you're like, oh, my God, how do how do we let Delano Banton go to, yeah. go to Toronto? He's going to be so good there. Like it does feel like they're starting to get that mystique a little bit. Yeah, I, I think so. Um, I, I agree with you. It's just like you your coaches, uh, you know, one of the best coaches in the league, great GM. You got. You have you can kind of go in any direction. I think that's kind of the the concerning part of this argument uh, to some extent. It's just like they could just sell off Siakam and Van Vliet and go into like an amazing rebuild. You know, like the the returns that they could get for that in terms of young players and picks would be great. Build around Barnes, etc. But you could also go the other way. I think um, so. This is like a very Toronto is just a great middle of the pack team to take for this argument because they're just again so organizationally competent. They have good talent that is movable. That is, in theory, you can build around if you can find a way to get a free agent there. Yeah, uh, it's just, it's just a nice pick at this point. Yeah, they're one of those teams that when they win the title in twenty twenty four, we'll look back and be like, wow, that was crazy. Like, how, how did they get Jalen Brown on their team? You know, right. <laughs> Damian Lillard is on the Raptors. What? Like, I mean, the, I think that's maybe the best illustration of how unpredictable this argument can be. Uh, you know, when you look at the Raptors who won the title in what was that twenty. 2019, you know, before that, like they, they were kind of in that jazz zone where they were just running their, their head into the wall over and over. And even, even six, seven months before they won the title, like basically until the day that that trade happened, it would have been insane to suggest that Kawhi Leonard would ever be on the Toronto Raptors. You know, like how quickly things can change when a player like that ends up shaking loose. And over the course of five years, there's probably going to be two or three of those situations that go down. Well, I mean, the Spurs traded him there on a spite, which was that is true. Um, I, I don't even, you know, they've been bad. They've been bad, bad karma for the Spurs since then. He ended up winning a title there. And they got Jakob Pertl in return. Demar Derozan's apparently really good. It's going to lead the Bulls to a title. Um, weird situation there. Yeah, that was uh, when we knew. I think Pop had maybe lost his fastball. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so are you do? You, are you trying to wrap up pack, picking teams and just like getting into a general discussion or do you want to keep going? Well, let's, let's be done with our official picks and we can okay. just talk about some of the other teams that we considered. I mean, I, I by no means do I want to hit on all 30 teams, but I, I had a few others that were certainly in contention for some of these last picks. Uh, but, but quick recap, I have the Bucks, Suns, 76ers, Nuggets, Mavericks, and Raptors. You have the Nets, Warriors, Lakers, Clippers, Heat, and Jazz. So that still leaves 18 teams. Who would you say was your number one honorable mention or first team out? Um, I have next on my list is the Bulls. Um, okay. And then it's the Hawks. 
but those to me are like very interchangeable. Like I would have, I would have had to make like a split second, like gut call on those. Um, you know, just the bulls are, the bulls are in more of a win now position, I think, which is crazy to say, even though the, the Hawks just were in the Eastern conference finals last year, but they're underperforming so much. It's clear. They're going to have some sort of team shakeup. I think at the deadline, um, so they're kind of a little mysterious, but Trey Young's talent, uh, he's the best player on either of those teams. Um, but you know, the bulls, I think have the bulls like just played so well out of the gate. It's hard to say like, and, and they're not that old either. Right. Like Vucevic is basically in his prime DeRozan's in his prime. They're kind of exiting, but as a team, they play so well together that it's hard to imagine that they're going to just like age out and the team's going to be like go from what they are right now to like bad in two years yeah i mean you have to lock up levine i think that's important right. uh but they they I, I still don't love you know, like can you win a title with vucevic you know being your starting center it's like you, you kind of need to insulate him on defense you kind of need to insulate DeRozan and levine to, to lesser degrees i mean it's not like those guys are massive liabilities and i think they've done actually a really good job of doing that you know like we they've barely seen any minutes from Patrick Williams, like once he's back, I think that makes a big difference. And then you have two of the best on ball point of attack guards in the league in Lonzo and Caruso. So I, I think they, they've actually built a really complete roster that, you know, the, the strengths complement the weaknesses in a really unique way. So they're, they're going to be in the mix. I mean, it's just a matter of, you know, it's, it's kind of an exercise in team building. You know, it's like, can the team that has, you know, three of the, 50 best players in the league beat a team that has two or three of the top 15 players in the league, because especially over the last 10 or 15 years, it's been the top heavy team that's come out on top. You know, it's like you, you want, you want as many of the top 10 guys as you can get. And it's less important to have, you know, more top 50 guys. But I mean, right now you could make the case that Levine, Vucevic, Lonzo and DeRozan are all top 50 players. And then, you know, guys like Caruso and, and on the right night, Kobe white, um, you know, Pat Williams, um, those guys can all be, you know, top 150 players, you know, like they, they've built sure. a, a really, really nice, um, like, I, I think if you listed out the top 300 players in the league, or maybe the top 200 players in the league, the Bulls would be one of the teams that has the most guys on that list. I think so. Yeah. And Desunmu was a nice pick yeah, too. Desunmu. Um, but yeah. Uh, how about you? I mean, is there any, any teams you want to discuss or groups of teams where you can't decide between the two? Well, I will build on what you said and, you know, Chicago, Atlanta, Cleveland were all very much in the same tier for me. And the other team that I, I think belongs in that exact same discussion is Memphis. Yeah. I feel kind of the same about all those teams. Like they're all, they're all on the way up. And of, of that four, Atlanta has obviously lagged behind this year, but they've also accomplished more than those teams have, having been in the Eastern Conference Finals and won multiple games in that series less than a year ago. So I, I'm not out in Atlanta at all. Um, you know, all four of those teams seem to be ascending it's just a big question. And, and the reason that I think we both didn't name any of them in our top 12 is they all to varying degrees feel like they're at least one major move away from moving from really nice, fun story to, okay, the bucks and the nets and the warriors and the Suns have to actually worry about this team winning the finals. Yeah. Because you know, despite what Giannis said after the game last night, you know, he's like, we have to take them seriously. They're a title contender. I I'm not quite ready to get there. And I, I think most people probably feel the same way. So you know, do we trust Cleveland and Memphis and Chicago and Atlanta to make whatever that move is when the time comes to actually push yourself from nice, fun story to actual contender? I, I don't know if I do. Yeah. I think Yagas at least has to take Evan Mobley seriously as oh, yeah. a potential defender that could get, 
I was talking to my buddies and I was like, because they were, he was, my buddy was kind of like hit the panic button on like the Bucks losing to the Cavs. I'm like, first of all, the Cavs are good. Like, yeah, let's, that's, let's be real. It's a good loss. But then it made me think about how, like, if they are this good and Giannis, you know, Giannis has to d- was dealing with Bam out of bio for a while. And now he's got Evan Mobley, who's presumably going to be like guarding him for the rest of his career. <laughs> um, that's crazy. But yeah, like Cavs versus Grizzlies was hard for me. You know, like Morant, obviously it would take Morant over Garland, but then you have Jared Allen plus Mobley, you know, compared to like Jaron Jackson and Desmond Bain. That's a little, that gets a little murkier. And I do think the, the Cavaliers, I mean, Colin Sexton getting hurt and like not panning out at the beginning of the year is kind of like a significant blow for them. I don't really know what, like that's going to, what's going to come of that, but he, he could end up being a key for their team as well. That's kind of just falling under the radar because of the injury. Um, do you do you have a worst? Do you have a team that you feel like is least likely to win the title? I know I don't think you built out your complete list, but like, do you have That's one team question. where you're like, there's no chance, or just who's at the bottom for you? So I ranked my top twenty in order, uh, so that leaves ten teams. The, the ten teams that I did not have in my rankings in no order are Portland, Sacramento, San Antonio. New Orleans, OKC, Houston, Washington, Indiana, Detroit, and Orlando. Of that group, man, I'm, I'm probably it has to be Sacramento. I think by default, right? I mean they've they've never really been close since 2001, whenever that last series with the Lakers was. They've completely been in the tank. There's no sign whatsoever that from ownership to coaching to general managing to the players that there's like they've they really have not moved in the, in the right direction for two consecutive seasons at any point in the last 20 years. So at some point that's going to reverse. I mean, the Clippers pulled it off for like almost 40 years of complete incompetence and then they got really good for a decade. So again, at some point the right player or the right team builder is going to come around for, for Sacramento. But I mean, based on where they're at right now, you have, you have a, a couple decent young pieces, but I don't think they're, I don't think they're remotely close to contending for a title. And unlike some of those other teams in the bottom 10, um, you know, they're, they're probably, they're like the last place that you would go as a free agent right now. Right. I mean, you know, even a place like Washington, DC, like that's, that's a nice major city. Um, you know, there's, there's, there's some young talent that, you know, maybe you'd want to go play with and, or maybe, you know, maybe Dame goes and recruits somebody to Portland, like Houston has historically done okay. Free agency wise. Uh, like Sacramento to me is like a team like OKC and a team like Orlando, they're probably the furthest away right now based on the current roster, but you have so many picks, you have the potential right. for trades. Like Sacramento just doesn't have any of that. And on top of it, you're, you're just not a free agency destination. Yeah. I mean, it's way easier to make the argument for like the thunder than a lot of other, these kind of like mid, like mid yeah. just like zero direction teams. Like the thunder were 22nd for me. I was like, you never know. Um, I actually had Washington as my bottom team. Um, like for me, Sacramento, you're right. Like they're a disaster of a franchise, but I think there's a scenario where it's like, if I think if they blew it up, they could be in a good spot because they're bad this year. So they could get a good pick. If you move off of Fox, you could probably move off a of healed. Um, then you kind of just restart with like Tyrese Halliburton and whoever you get for the next few years. They're not necessarily like likely to win the title, obviously, but I compare that with Washington who like, like Spencer Dinwiddie is like, just not very good. And like, I don't even know if that contract is that tradable. I don't know what's happening with Bradley Beal. He's got so few, like his contract is basically up. I don't even know what leverage you have anymore. If you want to trade him, like, I don't even know what you're getting back in a deal. 
The Bertans contract is obviously terrible. They have no good young players at all. Like their best young players, like Thomas Bryant, um, maybe Hachimura, but he hasn't shown that much. You know, Avdia is, I mean, do we trust Avia or Kispert or any of those guys? And they're not going to get Kyle Kuzma erasure. <laughs> I know. And they're not going to get like a, a good pick this year. So I, I just don't know what's going on there. I just, uh, I have the Rockets over them in my rankings for what it's worth. Cause I'm just like, well, they have Jalen Green and Sangoon and sure. like they're going to get another good pick. Yeah. I mean, teams like OKC and Houston, I, I, I didn't rank them just because they're, they're a complete blank slate. So like it would be hard to formulate like a real argument for like why they're going to win a title before, uh, you know, Chicago or Atlanta or whoever. But yeah, they, I mean, they, they at least have the path there. It's like you, you hit on, a couple really big time draft picks and you, you catch one other break and you know, like if SGA is still on the team and all of a sudden Josh Giddy makes a huge leap and let's say they get, you know, Chet Holmgren or Bancaro or Jabari Smith and they're good right away. Like they're the next kind of Evan Mobley or Luka Doncic type, you know, within four to five years, it's very realistic that that team could be contending for titles. So I, I think you're on the right path there. I, I do want to talk about one more team and then we'll wrap this up. Okay. I had Boston at 17 on my list. And they were, they were to me the hardest team to rank because I think based on the talent, like the top end talent of Tatum and Brown, it wouldn't be crazy to put them in that same tier as, you know, Miami, Toronto, the Clippers. Like I, it wouldn't be insane if you took them with a top 10 pick, but I, they just haven't shown enough to me. And even if you end up trading Jalen Brown, you know, that's, that's a, a massive, like high risk, high reward type of deal where I, I think if you keep Tatum and Brown together, you're almost guaranteed to have a team that makes the playoffs every year. But I think we've seen that the ceiling maybe isn't all that high. If you trade Brown for the wrong guy, I think your floor could be lower. I I don't love the surrounding pieces. I think they had all those picks over the last decade. And really other than Tatum and Brown, like you got not a whole lot out of that. Like Marcus Smart turned into an okay player, but all like the Romeo Langford types, Aaron Neesmith, you know, uh, Semi Ojale is gone already. Grant Williams, like those guys are okay role players at best. So even though you have two nice blue chip young assets, those guys haven't played that well together. They haven't won that many games. And I don't really like the rest of the roster. Very tough to rank. Um, I was listening to another podcast and they like, you're, you're right. And the, the draft picks not working out has been a huge problem. And they've just refused to play, pay players like competent players. They are just like, well, you know, no use to us anymore. We're just like letting you go. I'm looking back right now at the 2018-19 Boston Celtics. Um, and that team had injury issues and stuff like that. But on that team were Kyrie Irving, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Al Horford, Gordon Hayward, Terry Rozier, and Marcus Smart. Compare that to what you have now. And it's like, what happened? Like, how do you lose, like, all of those guys? Um did they so hold on? Did they lose Rozier and Hayward for nothing? Is that right? And Kyrie? Um, well, no, they got Kemba. And oh, Rozier. that's right. Wow, I, I honestly completely forgot Kemba played for them. Yeah. Um. So wow. they got Kemba in that, and um, I, yeah, it's they had all those guys together at once, and they're like, well, we don't want to pay Horford, we don't want to, we don't want to pay uh, Hayward, and they had Marcus Morris as well for what it's worth. Like I didn't even mention him; they had him. Um, I will say all like a lot of those deals I liked at the time, like, I I think you could argue that both the Kemba and the Hayward deals were bad luck injury wise. Like neither of those guys, by the time they got to Boston, neither of them were playing at the level that they were before. And like, I I remember both deals were pretty universally praised 
at the time. And, you know, Kemba's knee issues started basically as soon as he arrived in Boston. Hayward breaks his ankle five minutes into his first game and it's never the same. So I, I don't think it was like bad moves by the organization. They, they got really unlucky, but, you know, they, they kind of dug themselves a hole by, by putting themselves at risk. Yeah. And yeah, a lot of bad luck. A lot of they're trying to like curb. I don't want to pay Gorgon Hayward because the injuries and Al Horford's old. And it's just like stuff that in theory makes sense. But you just look at it and you go, if they had found some way to pay most of these guys or keep a lot of these guys, like even through the injuries, you would just have so much talent that you'd be doing better than so many other teams. Yeah. I mean, the, the Tatum and Brown piece alone should be right. enough to be to be better than they have been. Um, and the fact that they've been so disappointing and so inconsistent this year, it, it's just, you know, it, it, maybe it's a maybe they're a victim of when we're doing this exercise. You know, I think if we had done it midway through last year or you know, right after they made their their nice playoff run a couple of years ago, they would probably be in the top five. But we, we we caught teams like Boston and, you know, the Knicks, who I had at 20 on my list. Like we're catching these teams at bad times. I think New Orleans if we did this a year ago would probably be in the top 10 because we would think that Zion is going to be dominating the league for the Pelicans for the next decade. Obviously things have changed a ton for them. Um, and, and obviously a ton will change between now and the end of this season. And, and even more will change uh, between now and, and, you know, as we kind of go year to year through this exercise. So overall, this was really fun though. I, I think it was, it was fun to research, fun to discuss. And I, I think we'll have to do this maybe like twice a year going forward just to kind of check in and update. Yeah, that would be fun.